And so, the entire time we're talking about this, like, the primordial blood, the dailies and stuff, we're like, oh god, it's the Orbeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It that's kind of a, is. <laughs> that's what actually happened to Kyle. He was just taken away by the Orbeez. <laughs> Greetings, travelers and Illuminati alike, and welcome to the Shade Chamber Tales of Tibet Fontaine Archon Quest Collab Special. Tonight at the Opera Epiclis, the scribes of Tales of Tibet and the hilly churls of the Shade Chamber shall join forces to discuss the Fontaine Archon Quest, a collaboration that has long been foretold by the Oratrice Mechanic Danadis Cardinal. My name is Beefy of the Shade Chamber, and they wouldn't let me bring in any outside food, so I snuck some fish and chips in my bra. And that's why they call it a brasserie. Hi, I'm Al from Tales of Tabat, and I broke the Oratrice Mechanique de Analyse Cardinal. I'm co-opting the Fountain of Lucene to make a perfect replica of myself in hopes of becoming the new Bogdanovs of Fontaine. I'm Brake. I just hope that Loratis Mechanique d'Analyse Cardinal doesn't judge my machinations too harshly. Hi, I'm B, and when I was a kid, my dad told me that I'd never be good enough for the Oratrice Mechanique d'Analyse Cardinal. And now I'm on a Genshin Impact podcast. And yes, my dad's name is Arlecchino. Hello, Papa! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jar, a Meripede prisoner forced to clean water beads from the sewers of Fontaine. The Oratrice Mechanique d'Analyse Cardinal doesn't become the Orbeez Mechanique d'Analyse Cardinal. <laughs> God. <laughs> and I'm Feenster from Tales of Tabat, and I was found guilty by the Oratrice Mechanique de Lenise Cardinal of reading too much fanfiction, talking about albedo an abnormal amount, and ingraining my headcanons as actual lore. Disgusting. That's criteria. Meropede must be, like, just <laughs> <laughs> That's a never-ending source of power right there. Hi, I'm Tiff from Tales of Tabat. I was tried by the Oratrice Mechanique de... I knew I was going to be the one who was going to fuck it up. <laughs> no worries. I was like, everybody said it so good. I'm like, I was waiting for Fiends to ruin it, and then she did it good. Hey, I actually hey! got. Yeah, I got pretty close to fucking up too. How <laughs> long did you practice it, Feeny? Well, I spent at least three hours this morning at like four in the morning. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tiff from Tales of Tabat. I was tried by the Oratrice Mechanique Danalise Cardinal for stalking Berry Puffier after their release from the underwater hospital. I just wanted to give them a little bit more food. <laughs> they said no. He's such a hunky boy. <laughs> hey, shout out to our listener, our buddy, our pal Michael, who during our stream told us that the Chinese name for Berry Puff is Crying Grape. <laughs> <laughs> when he grows up, his name is Crying Big Grape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds like a grape soda. <laughs> oh, watch out. The Fanta people are going to go after him. Oh, oh shit. shit. No. <laughs> And I'm the only hung juror, take that how you will, of the Oratrice Mechanique d'Analyse Cardinal. Wander. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all like shotgun the things we have called a primordial water. French dip, no-no juice, Grimace shake, Orbeez. I called it hypnic. You know that alcohol that has like, like literary stuff in it? Uh, like the shit I did? Just like it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The edible glitter. Yes. I called it the Dead Sea. 
I just call it projectile barf because I feel like that's what made this actual regular water rise because it made no sense. Because oh. <laughs> all devouring narwhal, that's like eating the primordial sea. You would think that the water would go down, but no. <laughs> right. Because like the energies, you know, such roiling hydro energies will prove difficult for the planet's deep seas to digest. What? So the deep yeah. seas are barfing? Ew. <laughs> We're going to drill down into some topics that both our podcast and read would be interesting to uh, dive into. Hey. <laughs> we also all agreed oh. to have a drink before this recording session. Oh, shit. Um, but um, yes. before we get into those topics, I think we were just going to like pile on our overall just impressions of the Archon quest, so... A reminder, we are covering the Fontaine Archon quest from 4.0 to 4.2. Right. You couldn't even say 4.2 without your skin crawling, could you? Yeah. <laughs> no, 4.1 was worse. If we Thanos snapped 4.1 and we just went from 4.0 to 4.2, I think I would have had a better overall impression. Yeah, I actually oh. had the same thought as well. The second part of 4.1, after we left Meropede, so much of that was just, like, burdened by the fact that Meropede came before it. I'm like, it would have just been better served if we had had none of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Meropede was written in as a pause in the story, but the story already has a pause. It's the six-week wait for the patch. Yeah, literally. <laughs> right. You don't want to wait six weeks and then waste your players' time and energy in this, like, I don't know if you've seen the Gollum game, but it's just what oh, Meropede is. It's yeah. just like, it takes place when he's imprisoned in Mordor, and it's just like, you wake up, you get out of your cell, you do chores, you go back to bed. It sucks. That's what this was. <laughs> Isn't that this just real life, except I'm not in a prison? I'm in my yeah, house. Exactly. I mean, but at least in real life, you gotta enjoy the scenery a little bit. <laughs> That's yeah. true. At least, like, in... I can't remember when is it the first part of the Samara Archon quest where we're doing like Groundhog's Day? But it reminded me of that. And I still really hate that part of the Samara Archon quest because I'm so oh. tired of the groundhog bullshit. Mm. Oh, I love yeah. it. I don't totally blame you for that because like it is repetitive and you do have to watch the same scenes over and over again. When I initially played it, I was sold on the intrigue of it because I really like like figuring out groundhog's loops and trying to figure out what was kind of going on with the meta plot and i think they were kind yeah. of banking on that a little bit with maropede right i think the biggest failing of it was that the uh secret rules were actually all just really really stupid things that i don't even feel like really contributed to the characters that much yeah. either like exactly. just for the record like Risley and Siegewin are great. Anytime I'm complaining about Meropede, they're not included in that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all the other uh, subplots of Meropede. And it's like, I don't care about these cannibals now that I know they're not cannibals. Exactly. I wanted cannibals so bad. There was a lot of like really interesting plots that you could tell in a prison setting, especially, you know, in an area that's outside of the law that has to have its own law that has all of these prisoner protection sort of rackets mm -hmm. going on. But it turns out to not actually be anything interesting. And I'm like, a and shame. Like, it has the added effect, too, of being like, oh, there's this other area where, like, instead of, you know, using the setting to reinforce, like, any idea you might have about how the law is, like, conducted in this part of the world, 
no, it's all just a bunch of dumb little secrets that have otherwise no commentary on like informal versus formal laws or any of mm -hmm. the themes or character or anything. Uh, I will say, in in defense of the marmalade, goddamn it, Feeny. <laughs> <laughs> The you got the, me. The Palace of Marmalade. The it's Palace a great of place. Marmalade. Mm -hmm. In in defense of what they were trying to do, I loved how they were trying to implement that there are these secret rules, these secret you know things that they have to abide by because that's something very similar in modern day prisons where you have a code that you follow, and that it's very different for people on the outside world to like kind of understand. And in a way, it makes its own form of justice and kind of translates to how justice is always going to be subjective. But they really fucked it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They could have focused it so much more with us just exploring people like, why are you here? Why do you feel justified to stay here? Some of it seemed like they were there for fraud. Who's there for murder? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the fact that a former prisoner took it over is like a huge plot point that they could have looked into and like talked about justice from the inside yeah. a little bit more. Exactly. Because they just kind of glaze yeah. over that whole part too, even mm -hmm. in the story quest. Uh, break before we found out what the secret rules actually were, you had a really, really <laughs> good interpretation of them that like fits way more into it being both like justice and France. I want to hear this. Yeah, I, I thought that like what they were going to do with it was like specifically the rule about working for three days in a row. Like I thought the reason that that rule was in place was it's like, okay, they're going to give you like a poisoned meal if you work three days in a row, because if you're setting some kind of precedent where everybody is working super hard without mm. taking any breaks, then they're going to make sure you do take a break, whether you want to or not by putting poison in your food and like taking you out for a little bit so you have to go to the infirmary because <laughs> mm -hmm. it was like a I was thinking it was like going to be some kind of prisoner solidarity thing where it's like okay there's nothing that's actually protecting us from taking legitimate breaks and we also want everybody to have like this sort of uh equal approach to how you're doing work in the prison but then it turned out it was just Sejuin trying to reward you and making weird food and I'm like I don't you know, as much as I like it when the game goes out of its way to give characters, like, little, you know, touches here and there, I was like, I think it did a lot less for the world building in that specific case. Yeah. 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 It was a red herring dead end of the plot that didn't even carry over. Like, that's what the second patch of the Sumeru Archon quest felt like that, because mm -hmm. you lose all your momentum and you talk to Izak, the kid. Drag queen kid. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so yeah but like, at least that was a payoff. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It paid off, because the next patch, you got the playable version of him in that shitty Nahida costume and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It's like, so good. Nothing pays off in Meropede. Like child is somewhere else. The Fatui mm -hmm. infiltration is a dead end. And Risley's stupid fucking airship that he embezzled prisons funds for. <laughs> I thought that was gonna be the stage for the final boss or like a big showdown. That like been oh, we're gonna cool. We're gonna go on a fancy yacht. We're gonna like either fight the whale or fight Arlequino. And it like it appears in a cutscene to save like four fucking people. Literally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can see the Jade Chamber from Fontaine. So I just imagine as that was going on, like Beto and Ningguang were just like on the balcony drinking wine and like watching through binoculars, going, Whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> what the oh, Beto's shit, like, I'm glad a... <laughs> my ship's not over there right now. <laughs> yeah, until Beto saw Risley's ship and she was like, Fuck, we gotta get over there right what now. Is that? Yeah. Is that flying? <laughs> 
<laughs> She's like, fucking mine. I'm going to take that. Ding Wong's like, babe, we're on a flying ship. <laughs> the other thing about the fortress, too, was the fact that you start off walking in with that guy who's like, basically, like, screw you. This is going to suck. I'm not repeating anything I say. And then you run into Risley, and he's like, has he been treating you well? And the guy's, like, starstruck. He's like, oh, my God, the Duke is here. Oh, my God. And then you have the option to, like, Alfonso his ass and <laughs> that... either rat him out or be nice to him. Yeah, and I loved the potential of that, like, the prison politics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I often, with Genshin, it's hard to not, like, project more interesting characters onto the characters. And I'm like, okay, Risley's one of these guys who's clearly really kind and cordial, but he's also super corrupt and he has like no qualms about making the system work for him right he's mm -hmm. he's mama morton like oh, like when is? he's like oh my god <laughs> yeah because he's like i'm gonna allow a fight club ring to happen but only if i get my cut and like shit yeah. like that <laughs> and i'm like that's so good that's a great mm -hmm. way to spin this like gentleman prison lord but and instead if, yeah. just i feel like they they kind of set it up that way when they were even talking about it in the the preview stream, where they're like, "Oh, the fortress of Barapeet is this is this prison sealed away underwater, completely you know isolated from society." But everyone loves it there who goes there. Like they never want to leave. And I remember we were talking about it off uh, off you know the podcast, and it was just like, "Are they describing Stockholm syndrome? Are they? <laughs> what, yeah. What is this?" Like they they had this they wanted to have this really idyllic view of this setting, and I'm not sure why because the the theme of justice in any story is going to be inherently darker and a little grittier because it gets mm. down to what do people deserve, what is right for them for their actions and for society and it's like there's never an easy answer to that we can't just look at this prison and go oh no it's great though it totally works everyone comes in they they love their reformation so much that they don't want to leave and then the people who do leave are just integrated back in it's fine it's like if you're having a story that's about this weird sense of justice in this country it's never going to be completely fine and yeah. i think i think that's also the product of like kind of the unwillingness to actually betray the setting as like dark enough to justify having a prison of that level like of mm -hmm. course people have they have to like Meripede because no part of the setting is really that dark on screen yeah. if it's off screen yeah. like you know the, go, the go crazy are off, but yeah, yeah. if Which it's on screen though like... there's so much murder in Fontaine <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah there's a literal serial killer mm -hmm. that they bafflingly named after a real ass serial killer yeah <laughs> that was whack i get that they were probably like google google what's the french jack the ripper oh this guy vachet but it would be like you know oh we solved the killer in notlon who's throwing all those young men into a volcano it's Dahmer. like why <laughs> <Yeah>. would they <laughs> use <a> real name <laughs> Meanwhile, um, you have like Lynette being human sex trafficked, which was yeah, also yeah. shocking. Yeah, that I was, was like, crazy. Wow. I, I, crazy. I was not expecting that in like the Archon quest. Just like that's horrific. Yeah. yeah. But it's so like Shakespearean that all these like like I don't want to say that like, the exciting shit happens off stage, but a lot of the important and dark and real shit happens, quote unquote, off stage. Yeah. Right. That's something I've complained about like since Liyue. Because I yeah. feel like I personally think the Leeway Archon quest is the worst for that reason, because all the pivotal stuff happens off screen 
Inazuma, not so much. I think the only big thing off screen was the big battle where Tepe uses his powers and dies. Yeah. Oh, oh Tepe. Sumeru, you are there for everything cool. Like, everything interesting in Sumeru you see happen. Right. Fontaine, like, half the stuff is off screen. Yeah, that's true. You're doing prison chores. You're fucking around doing whatever. And then, like, oh, there was a riot. Oh, the floods are coming. Oh, these people died at Plosson. Like... I want to see that. You've got the money to animate that. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually yeah. really disappointed that we didn't get to see the animations from Poisson, especially with, like, Navia's besties dying. Yeah. That like, not being able good. to see the yeah. brother's death was not right. Am I the only one, though, that when they showed Poisson after the tragedy that you went, wait, what's different? Y'all <laughs> look terrible. Like, <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I like about Maripede, and that's the caterpillar world quest and that's yeah, it yeah yeah right, right, right. that was good yeah. it and had a better like... take on justice than the rest of anything that happened in meropede yeah. yeah 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 that's true i really did like the end cutscene though i've been like I... i'm a sucker on the cutscenes on mm. all of them and this one didn't like i i, I just loved it all i love the drama of it it was very cliche but i, well, I was wondering though if this kind of the region where you got the impression that like maybe the setting kind of like was a, oh, the setting they were trying to establish was a little bit too large for the story they had. Yes. Like, yeah. Because mm -hmm. you Definitely. have influence of of France, you have you know the Industrial Revolution like happening at this point, but there's a lot of like English shit happening as well. There's they had a lot of ideas and mush them all together in a very small region right now. Mm -hmm. But what's weird is, to me, it feels like all of those ideas had a really obvious way to smush them together and have it make sense, and it mm -hmm. wasn't even taken. Like, even the role of the stage and of media. This is the first region where, like, news media is really big, yeah. and mm -hmm. they even kind of imply like the oratrice makes his measurement based on hype yeah and like and so you go and think oh the the stage aspect of this is going to be um you know like getting the people emotionally invested regardless of what the truth is you turn it into a soap opera and you get people to uh like treat it the story that you're giving them as the truth and yeah we just watched chicago so of course it's like in the brain but it's also the most obvious thing you do with it but instead what the stage ended up just being was like magic shit like sleight of hand and hmm. like disguises and the idea of like acting to put on a facade and that kind of overlaps with justice but not as good as like you know emotional manipulation basically absolutely because like, like, it was all about misdirection but not in a, a justicey way it was just like i don't know a cover-up that small sidebar i i am a really big fan of how the initial trailer for fontaine where arlecchino is chastising Linny and lynette about like first and foremost being actors mm -hmm. was actually fosalor's gambit yeah yes. I, I am happy with at least you know that and like you know the sleight of hand misdirection on that one but yeah, usually it doesn't land. Yeah. yeah but no, but to both of those points, though, like, I definitely think the media angle would have even still worked with how the AQ ended. Like, because at yeah. the end, it was about emotionally gaslighting a dragon into caring about people who wronged him. <laughs> I mean, for the, for the, you know, region of justice, they could have really done what true justice is versus the court of public opinions justice. Exactly. Like, 
there's this whole idea that they could have really gone with is like, you know, witch trials, like, oh, we don't like them. This is clearly, you know, the truth, like, you know, being hype about like this person's obviously guilty and not taking the steps to find the true evidence for true justice. They could have done a lot of that. And that would have probably highlighted the very end of this Archon quest better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I we think... got a little bit of that with Nouvellet's character mm-hmm. quest, but like it, it feels like something that should have been more. It's like, why didn't you put that in the world quest though? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the whole thing should have just been about Detective Paimon because it should have. Yes. I can watch yeah, her. That was definitely show yeah, like a no. dork forever. <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, those first, like the first Archon quest of the region, where you, you know, there was like the gathering evidence. And then the doing the Phoenix Wright case of it's like, oh, when that dropped, I was like, is this going to be every quest for the region? Because I'm not against that. Yeah, I was, so, I was so for it. My wishes were heard. I just, I wanted, I needed that Phoenix Wright moment in this fucking, you know, part of Tibet. What's mm-hmm. not justifiable is that Yanfei is nowhere to be seen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that would mean they'd have to write things for Yanfei and they refuse to yeah. do anything mm-hmm. interesting with yeah. her. They, what they I really make don't... Charlotte look just like her and they're like, yeah, yeah we, won't even, <laughs> we won't even take that as a part of it. They don't treat their post-AQ characters the same at all. No. Like, no. And I'm like, maybe, maybe the writers are not smart enough to write interesting legal dramas. Oh, we Honestly, know they're not. Yeah, yeah. They, they had one great one in 4.0, which fucked all the way through. It was so good. Mm-hmm. There was one mm-hmm. ass grab, but it did introduce us to the concept of water that melts only the French, which is something <laughs> I wish we had in real life. Right. It wasn't a very good mystery, but it was a phenomenal exposition device. Like Brake said, my qualms are not with the characters. I think the Fontaine characters are fucking great. It's just like, it's like you dumped a puzzle on the table and then you just kind of gave us the pieces that look the shiniest without mm-hmm. making the whole puzzle. Yeah. And like the grace period is over. We're three Archon quests in past launch and you've proven you've you've done better. So why this? Let's talk about stuff we like before we go on. Um, yeah, yeah. I love it when playables have beef with each other, and it was great to see Navia screaming at Nuvulet, and then Nuvulet cries. Anything with Nuvulet and Navia breaks my fucking heart yeah, literally. so bad. Yeah. They're very similar characters. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very, I want everything to be right in the world. I want people to be happy. I want justice to be served. And they do that at the risk of their own well-being. Like, Navia, I mean, she almost died in the Archon line. Her adopted family died she had to go undercover and figure out what actually happened to her father while the quote-unquote murderer of her father like stalked her <laughs> to make sure that she was they tried okay to poison her at the restaurant yeah, tried to right, assassinate yeah. her with gardamex like she mm-hmm. suffered i feel like um navia is like the second path they've had at doing like a legacy burdened RF character mm. and they did such a good job. Yeah, she's she's cool Ayaka. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> she's Ayaka who is afraid to get her socks wet. Yeah. <laughs> and, Not the socks. And again, that's that's more potential they had on the table because they she could have been the foil to Nivillette who's like he represents, you know, like a justice from the paradigm from on high that's like it's bureaucratic and it doesn't really serve the people. And then she's like the Spina and Di Rosula, they portray themselves as like, 
you know, for the people and the people's justice, they're also very clearly the mafia. They are very <laughs> clearly the mafia. Yes. And like that would have been a really interesting dynamic is like, is she serving justice to the people better than he is uh, versus how justice is done in Meropede? Yeah. There's like, there's no examination of anything. It's just like, is it just to let the Faunch people melt? And I think the weirdest thing about Navia vis a vis, like, the mafia princess angle is like it's never really questioned that like hey you're acting extrajudiciously like is this okay every time she does they praise her for her help i love it like vigilante justice in fontaine is absolutely legal and appreciated <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. well it's like uh it's like how the yakuza like embed themselves in local communities and the police are like well they help out they lighten our load you know, they're not really hurting anyone except for their own shit. So we just give them a pass. The idea of like she and she entrenches herself in in community and infrastructure and makes yeah. it harder to suss her out. Yeah. And you know, it's there's a ahead. little thought bubble coming out of my head that's like the Navia everywhere system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine. They she pops also... out of a manhole. We know she lives in the flu of Sandra like half the year. She yeah. she winters in the sewers. <laughs> okay, the Fliv Sandra ended up being the most fucking inconsequential part of the AQ. Like, right. uh, to say nothing of the regions that were unlocked that we didn't go to in the AQ, like the entire institute that got yeah. blown yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why would you show kind of like, you know, the white and black cities? This is a region where purportedly duality is a theme, and it's like, you do have like the fancy people on top and then like the grittier working guys on the bottom. And I forget if they say like things are hard for the people in Fluve Sandra, but I think that's kind of like it's certainly implied. implied. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're because they live in the fucking sewers. And I think I read in in some lore text, people have to fight off alligators down there sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> look, look, sometimes in Florida and in France, you gotta beat up a fucking gator. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like okay, we're okay with this. We're okay with this sharp binary between you know Disneyland Paris on the surface and fucking Revachol from Disco Elysium. <laughs> underneath. Oh, I, I wish it was Revachol. Oh my god, it it wishes it was Revachol. <laughs> yeah, I I actually am like not necessarily the largest fan of Fontaine's design as a city. I actually feel like it's kind of like the city itself is kind of one of the weaker ones just because appeared in a weird way yeah i think uh, mm-hmm. we'll get into aesthetics and design in our own separate episode because i have a lot to say and complain about <laughs> yeah one of the things that they've really gotten good about especially since sumeru is just writing emotional reactions in their characters like navia was the heart and soul of dark conquest like, absolutely yeah when she cried everyone was crying and they they knew how to yeah. milk that because she cried at least three times she had three good reasons for crying yep yeah exactly like the part in uh like after the disaster at plus song when she's like i'm sorry i really don't usually cry and i'm like i believe you we have seen <laughs> you on the three worst days of your life <laughs> quite like, literally the voice acting was incredible in all of those scenes like the, mm-hmm. the voice actress was really doing a good mm-hmm. job to emote that and, and convey that like just dread and sorrow and sadness to the player like i think they've done such a good job in being able to convey the emotional tones that they're trying to go for they mm-hmm. just get a little lost in the weeds when it comes to like the logic of getting there Head out however to the biggest emotional whiplash of the entire game which is when you go to poisson post disaster you see a man 
absolutely hysterical about his daughter dying and screaming for her. I'm not young anymore. How will I survive on my own? <laughs> my Desiree! <laughs> and Paimon just turns to you and is like, Wow, he looks sad! He looks pretty sad. <laughs> that was the worst part of the whole game. Yeah, Paimon is um exactly how to say it. It's just just fucking just was, shut up, Paimon sometimes. I was so done with her this AQ. You know what's mm. interesting that I think about it at Fontaine? Like we see the majority of those characters at their worst, and that's something I really liked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, mean, I, I think like especially in the early days where everyone was just kind of blandly perfect, it is cool to see all these characters struggling it's also very french yeah yeah <laughs> the, the melodrama oh my god mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my people know very much about suffering oh and what people are those montrealians oh that was cute how rosalie and Claron were taking bets on yeah. like how fast yeah. nublit was gonna sh shut it down <laughs> and yeah. then we're all like we're all like, oh, they fucking, oh my god, there's a male-female pairing in Genshin. Oh, yeah. we like? I Die. will say, I, I, in my heart of hearts, I do think they're, they're, you know, a throuble. Oh, are you suggesting a, how you say, menage a toi? Really? You're really asking how to say menage a toi? It's a fucking French word, you little bitch! Nah, we're, we know they're together. a throuble because, like, obviously we're all projecting our fun fan interpretations on this, but when... Navia is speaking to Clarend at the end of the AQ, mm -hmm. and she's and she's like, "Yeah, he, uh, you know, we had tea." And she's like, "Did you like his tea?" Oh, the question of like, "What did you think of the tea?" or "How was the tea?" was just her asking, like, "Was the dick good?" Like, what did you think? Yeah. Like, tea, tea, and Fontaine absolutely has the same meaning as chess and yes. leeway. Clarend's like tone there was like. I'm so relieved she's also fucking him now. It's not weird. No, yeah. I'm curious of what does chess mean in Mondstadt because D. Luke also likes to play chess. No one in Mondstadt is smart enough to play chess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, D. Luke lives close enough to the border of Leeway to where he's probably heard people use the term but didn't understand what it actually meant. So he so tried to buy a chessboard, but it really was just a checkers set. He went to go buy a chessboard, and the chess shop was like, "Oh, is this for a little special someone in your life?" He's like, "No, what? Like, this is for my table. I was told it would make me look cool." And they're like, "You leave your chessboard on the table where people can see it? Are you a pervert?" <laughs> it was fun to see Linny like trying to threaten Risley too. Like I was like, "Oh shit!" Like he just lost his mind that because such a good scene. All of his siblings are in trouble, and then Sijuin shot him, so it was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're right. Gun, okay. Worst day. <laughs> bang bang. She shot him with a trank gun like a rampaging velociraptor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love the um, siblings. Yeah, I love it when they hug each other in the infirmary. That's so yes, cute. Yes, that's the yeah. You're, you're right that they did an amazing job of character building, regardless mm -hmm. of how built out we get to see some of those characters. There's so much intrigue in even the four stars of like Fremenet. Like yeah. even even Charlotte, who probably had the least amount of screen time in that AQ, had like a really beautifully poignant line when you're like, say the world was gonna end tomorrow, what would you do? And she's like, I would keep working on our interview because even mm. if I die, if I do everything to get it out there, it's gonna like that would make history and that would make me immortal. And I'm like, that's cool, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that since Sumeru, they've really done a good job at like shoring up the character relations. Like everyone in a region, 
at this point, if they're introduced during the AQ, they feel like they're kind of connected to one another in a way that's fairly believable. Like, you have, like, even Thijuan, it's like, oh, she has a relationship with uh, Rizli, but also she has a close relationship with Nivellette. Yeah. And those are characters who don't, like, interact on screen, but he asks about her oh and my God. that there's, like, a relationship yeah. there. The way his voice yeah. changes when you mention Sijuin to him, and it's so cute. He's like, oh, Sijuin, oh, how is she oh, doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's such a good stepfather to these slug children. He's I love such it. a fucking yeah. delf, man. He's yeah. a peepaw. He's the a big grandpa. If you will. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just want to ride that dragon dick. They keep saying God. all Thank their you. dragons are old grandpas. All of hey, them. Hey, hey, bad dragon, hit us up. We have some uh, product <laughs> concepts we'd like to sell you. We have a lot, actually. In fact, can you just prorate me? <laughs> we singled out a couple topics to talk about uh more specifically and kind of deep dive into the first of which being that old man <laughs> he goes by many names nivillet nervalet norvaldorf noodly boop uh noobliet <laughs> nublet peepaw peepaw yeah drampa Drampa, the gilf, <laughs> and wet Frollo. <laughs> I was kind of surprised by this guy. He's now my favorite man in Genshin. I love him so much. Yeah, I do too. When I initially saw him in the preview, I was just like, oh, okay, this is going to be like the super severe just a car guy. And then I was like, oh, but this is Genshin. They're going to do more stuff with him. And like, sure enough, you know, you think he's going to be super severe, but you're watching Lenny's magic show with him. And you're like, do you like, do you know Lenny? And he's like, no, but Lenny seems cool to hang out with. And I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Dad that doesn't know what to do in social situations. Yeah. He is like, such, like, the the Zhongli upgrade that it's kind of obscene. Yeah. <laughs> like, first of all, he's an actual dragon and not just an adeptus that looks like one. Right. Second of all, he's erudite and he's, like, into fancier things, but he doesn't waste your time or your mora. He's just, like... He invites you to wine tasting. When's the last time Zhong Li ever invited us to anything that he paid for, right? Never. Yeah, he's Never. not just a, a bourgeois parasite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best Zhong Li line. Nubi that's also voiced by Ray Chase, who's just like one of the greats of this like new blood LA voice actor crop. I've been really looking forward to him having a role in Genshin. Yeah, he's awesome. He's so fucking good. Yeah, he and really he's funny. He's so funny. I I love characters like him and A that are like, they are stoic, but they can also just be really funny mm-hmm. because of, like of their stoicism. And I... he just has such good line reads, like the way he says tomato ketchup in one of his like <laughs> uh, voice lines. Because in Fontaine, he tells you it's illegal to just eat ketchup out of the bottle. Wait, really? Yeah, okay, no, out of the bottle. Okay, never mind. Because I I was thinking earlier about like a weird French thing is like being a little bit weird about ketchup my favorite thing about uh nouvellette though is his how sentimental he is yeah Yeah. because he has that like air of majesty about him but then you know he turns around and has is just so in love with the melazines and like tries to take Mm -hmm. care of them and yeah i I really love that about him that was the aspect of his character that like actually most caught me off guard just like how sad he would be across the whole storyline yeah Yeah. he's a sad man 
Don't cry, Hydro Archon. Uh, although I feel like I should have seen it coming, given that, like, even though we don't have an England region, this is kind of the region where they're like, let's lean into whatever Regency tropes we can lean into, mm-hmm. right down yeah. to having, like, an emotionally distant but sentimental man. We can pretend that Meropede's England because the food sucks. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, he is he is absolutely a Darcy. I feel like like Darcy's kind of what they wanted to do for D Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like yeah. they they did like Darcy in his orders years for Nivulet. Yeah. Um, anyone who draws him like looking over 50 with mutton chops is my fucking savior. <laughs> uh, this is how he looks in my head. He is a grandpa. Mm. Peepaw. I love my people so much. I will say something really interesting I read online, and I don't know how true it is, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but Jabray Chase, like, halfway through recording, realized that he was totally portraying Nouvellet wrong, and he actually oh. went back and, like, re-recorded. I could believe that. And mm-hmm. I think that's, like, so, such dedication, and, you know, we're saying all these things we love about the character, and it's like, damn, like, I wonder what the other voice recordings sounded like. I I think we could probably guess because it probably had less of that sentimentality, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just like like Brake said, really easy to uh, just see Nivillet as this very like austere, stern figure, right? The warmth, but also the severity as need be. Like he's just mm-hmm. so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a good job. Something else that I found really interesting about Nivillet's character is when you first meet him, you assume that he is the all-knowing person in the nation like the yai Nico mm. of sorts oh that's a good point mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. he's not like he's like i have no idea what farina's up to i don't know what type of secret she's keeping from me and i don't have most of my memories and i'm like excuse me <laughs> i was really nervous that they were really trying to make us think that nouvellet was the art the real archon yeah and that it was going to be like because it i feel like anyone who you know has their ear to the ground a little bit is was instantly like oh that's the dragon that's a dragon (laughs) and yeah look at him and i was like are they really gonna are they really gonna try to like make us think that he's the archon and then we're supposed to be surprised that he's the dragon so i was glad that they were were very quickly like oh by the way i'm the dragon and there was some other mystery behind farina Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and we got to see him ascend to full sovereignty like on the stage mm-hmm. i think wow. like ever since inazuma people have loved the idea of a fake out archon or yeah. it's like you know a is not raiden's not the real archon it's yai miko you know right like, right is not the real archon it's i've seen people who are like i'll hate them her predecessor yeah. and i'm like Shut <laughs> up. yeah i remember seeing those too stop wanting men to be things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but we actually got that in nivulet and it was very well deserved yeah in that you know he's not literally the archon but he ends up taking the godhood so as we've known since Ankonomia, it's like dragons are basically like the apex of an elemental being right like mm-hmm. the on the lower end of elemental manifestations you have slimes and then, like, the highest possible thing they could be is a dragon, and the lord of that is the sovereign. And, and they're, they're the original inhabitants of yeah. Tevat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are the native species of Tevat. Yeah. Uh, pre, pre-first yeah. contact with the usurpers, with the Celestian, whatever. Yeah, before the primordial one came in and committed genocide. Oh, my God. 
Wow, colonizer. We do know that the original Hydro Dragon was killed, and then Egeria was uh, created to replace the Hydro Dragon as, like, the heart of the Primordial Sea, and all of that jazz. And it's like, okay, so when did Nouvellet happen? <laughs> because we have, like, thousands of years, probably, where mm-hmm. the Hydro Dragon was gone. He took the position 400 years ago. And, like, that's that's a number that keeps coming up, I think, ever since Scaramouche. Mm. We start to see 400 appear yeah. now, and it's like, yeah. oh, okay, like, we're, we're kind of fleshing out the history between the Cataclysm and now. Yeah, I think it's because they want to give themselves some breathing room between the Cataclysm and what immediately happened afterwards. Like, do you think there was a possible reincarnation that passed prior to Nubilet? I think yeah. so because like then now we go back to Enkanomia where they talk mm. about they're like like basically the stock of the water vishaps has become so like diluted that there's no mm-hmm. way the next sovereign would reincarnate in a dragon form it would be a human. Mm-hmm. So there there might have been something between like the hydro sovereign of of Ajiria's day and if you let R.I.P. the three years we thought for sure it would be Kokomi. Yeah. <laughs> still hasn't jumped over the <laughs> gate yet. She still hasn't, you know, gotten to dragon form yet. She's still just a goldfish. <laughs> Kokomi will never financially recover from the Nubilet <laughs> revelation. <laughs> That's true. It's like, oh, we thought that she was like, you know, gonna be this like 11th hour thing in the Inazuma Archon Quest Part 2 where she unleashes her full like sovereign powers on the fight against narukami mm-hmm. no she's just greek <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes you it. wonder if someone has a lot of hidden potential or power and then you realize they're just greek <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that like if i remember correctly i don't remember if it was confirmed that devalin was the sovereign as well for animo i feel I like don't i don't remember... think it was i don't think it, yeah, was. I don't think it ever no. was yeah. I'm not clear on which dragons are which, really. Just we know guy. we know what Pep is the original Dendro. Sovereign. Yeah, mm. yeah. He was um, the first locked in with mm-hmm. Azdaha too. I think Azdaha was just the kind of, if I'm remembering correctly, was like a beast created that Zhongli like befriended, and then mm-hmm. he lost his mind basically. It's, as they it's all really do in ambiguous. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but they also they also call him a Lord of Vaishaps. Like he is. A dragon, mm-hmm. dragon. I think. Yeah, we'll have to. Someone will have to go through it with a fine tooth comb. Uh, if uh, you know, please comment or send in your your reply. Engagement. <laughs> Engagement. <laughs> Engagement. Yay! As is long this... as it's butt crack. It is. It is about a butthole. That. <laughs> okay. uh, oh, are we talking about Risley? Let's yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're talking about Ryan daughter opening a butthole, trying to resurrect the dragons, and that's why they're reincarnated exactly when the cataclysm happened. Oh, oh that that's an believe. interesting one. That would and make I mean, a lot of Risley, sense too, because yeah, Conria hated the gods, so they're like, who's the gods' biggest enemy? The dragons. dragons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not only that, but also like the the um Archon quest confirmed that. Like gold is someone who is motivated by the pursuit of perfection. Yes. And the world quests are like, yeah, she doesn't actually create consciousness. There are instances where she pulls like a consciousness from the abyss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's a good question: Is does Durin count as a real dragon then, or is he also just kind of a dragon-shaped thing that gold made and right. like, gave his soul? But yeah. there's also the idea that w- when looking to Chinese folklore and Chinese symbols of perfection. Dragons and phoenixes were used 
by the royal family as a way to be the closest to god and to right basically perfect perfection it could be kind of like gold is striving for perfection what is perfection the original dragons yeah yeah and that but, would that would make a lot of sense too because if i'm remembering correctly piero is originally from conria and yeah. it would make sense because we you know you guys asked us a wonderful question in our last podcast episode about like do we think the fatui is like in the right or wrong and it's like well if they are trying to bring the dragon sovereigns back to life and they're collecting all the gnosis because now we've learned that the gnosis have the dragon's power in them and that they can only become full dragons again if they get the gnosis back well uh, it's it's yeah, not the gnosis it's yeah, the throne it's... Yeah, yeah. The The gnosis, the gnosi, the gnosi. I can't talk. I can't talk. The gnosua. The The gnosua. My pet project is to get people to pronounce the GN in gnosis like the GN in yoki. (laughs) (laughs) The gnosis. The gnosis. The gnosis. The gnosis. But the the gnosi the Nyosi, uh, are basically the remains, like chopped up remains of the third descender. And yeah. I know B oh. and I have a theory that the third descender is the Dragon King returned. Yeah, that's that one be, theory. Oh, that's that's like, weird that he would alone. descend, though, because like I feel like like the one thing we know about dragons is that they are indigenous to this plane of existence, right? But they're, they did, during the first or what we think is like the the great war between the the usurper the primordial one and the and the dragons the king of the dragons had to leave oh. the world well i think to... that he was killed right oh shit when they first fought he went mm-hmm. and and obtained power from outside the world implying that he actually got power from the abyss mm-hmm. and but then they fought and he was defeated i guess we don't know for sure if he died or if it just says he was defeated i think mm-hmm. but yeah so like the theory could be like if he was defeated or sent back out into the abyss then maybe he came back and tried to take back the night but then you know lost again that makes i did not know that nibelung left the plane that's really interesting yeah, yeah. and it's it's not it's not clear if it was to the abyss or to like maybe a different world altogether. Maybe you went to KFC with Alice. Because again, the dragons are part of some of the earliest Tevatan history. It's so amazing that we, that we get another sovereign. We have a pep and a pep is kind of like an asshole, but we, (laughs) I mean, it's just kind of like a fight and a, a, a thing for exposition and some lore. Yeah, we fight the bok choy in his stomach, but he's yeah. not engaged <laughs> with the world in the present day. Like, Nivilet's gift is that he understands the hearts of the people, so he mm. can be a true sovereign in that he, like, is the authority of all the people in his land. He's more like a god. Yeah. A true god. Now that he has the power back over the primordial sea... Because that's Wait, like the he? thing for the hydro. Sovereign. Wait, the whole sea, yeah, the primordial sea, yeah. yeah. Like he has the he has power over it, yeah. What the so fuck? is he gonna bring back all those people that got murdered by Vashe? <laughs> I mean, re separate them out of the sea and like create yeah. them as humans again. They're that gonna be crazy. reborn. 
Okay, like, if you want to talk dead. about if you want to talk about things that are like prime fodder for Archon Quest Part Two, like mm -hmm. that's it right there. That would be cool. Okay, I was misunderstanding. I thought that the primordial sea was something that all dragons were kind of linked to. No, nah, no. Nah. Not that Butter. we know of yet. Who freaking knows at this rate? Well, now my shit's all shot, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, we know Mihoyo. Uh, spoiler alert, loves their comparative mythology. Mm -hmm. And so Ooh, the uh, yeah. the conflation of a primordial sea and the dragons is, of course, the that goes back to the Babylonian creation myth, the Enuma Elish. Yes. Oh my god, yes! There are a couple creation myths where you just start with water. Like, even the Bible starts with, like, water. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to the Babylonian myth in which at the beginning, before the world, there is just this primordial ocean lorded over by Tiamat, the dragon goddess. And she ends up being kind of the building blocks of what the world is because she is killed and her, like, corpse gets divvied up into different aspects of existence, right? It's like, oh, her blood is rivers and her, you know, scales or hills, whatever the fuck. So keep an eye on that space because they are definitely doing some shit with that. Interesting, mm -hmm. too, because Nubalette loves the taste test water from around Tavat. <laughs> he remembers some things about being a dragon, because he says there's a custom where you yeah. would drink a, a fallen dragon, which is Ew. just a dune ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Fosalor. I hate her so much. <laughs> I, hate, I hate her so fucking much. I think she is the worst person we have ever been told to like. 100%. Like, oh my god, we'll get into her later. Like, um, Farina. Alright, Farina's my Blorbo. Farina is number one. I will fight anyone. So, every Archon, like, gives us a first impression, and then we find out how sad they really are. So we were expecting that. Like, Farina comes in, and she's this blustering little goblin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's, like, a consummate politician. She's just lying, spinning, deflecting, and she's fucking great. And it's like, okay, the shoe's gonna drop, and we're gonna find out how sad she actually is, right? That's how it goes. I don't think I was prepared for the level of sadness. Yeah. Oh, my God. Of Farina's, like, true revelation. Yeah. Holy shit. No, I, I made note of the, uh, the, the voice actor, um, Amberly Connor, Amberly Connors, shoot. But yeah, one of the best voice performances in the entire game. She had such good range on yeah. every yeah. like mood of Furina. And even differentiating any of Furina's like sort of moods with Fosalor's entire personality. Like that was great. Like one of the things that is revealed after her fall from grace is it's like, well, she was playing up her own character. But mm -hmm. it wasn't a fabrication; it was just an exaggeration. Yeah, and I love that. I love that she's such like a theater kid in a way. But and that oh yeah, they're playing with like her existential crisis in the same way that like high schoolers go through. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's like that's when they start being almost little adults and having some brain autonomy. That's kind of where she is. Like she's been kept yeah. emotionally stunted her whole life out of, forced to be yeah and i i do appreciate like um one thing about her character as well both she and the ocean uh, by the end of the aq are very uh little mermaid coded but like that comes down to like she literally can't speak um <laughs> but like it's not in a way where she can't vocalize it's more like oh no she literally can't like press what's actually going on because mm -hmm. then that causes consequences yeah 
Yeah, even in the hypothetical yeah. of her own mind where she is the closest to being able to reach out to someone because there's like the one safe person to talk to and she still pulls back at the very end and goes right back into the fake personality was a really, really good character moment because it was both like, you know, hyper depressing, but it was also like, here's the actual like level of mental fortitude she has to go through or like yeah. has to develop for herself. Because yeah. even though this is just going to hurt her more is she's still like you know laser focused on keeping the secret mm -hmm. her fate is outrageously cruel and almost maliciously so like i don't think any character has been set up to fail as hard as farina yeah like if we think of all the characters with the tragic past and the bad parent figures like mm -hmm. A and Arlequina look like mother and father of the year compared to Fosalor. <laughs> oh, 100%. Of all the suffering characters in Genshin, it's usually because of neglect. This yeah. is like, I set you up to fail on purpose. Yes. Oh, yeah. Fosalor is like, I'm going to make her incompetent on purpose. I'm not going to fill her in on anything with my plot and just have her like keep lying and spinning and covering for me, but not giving her a good enough explanation. I'm not going to give her any powers that can give her any kind of credibility. And despite making her for all intents and purposes human, I'm going to make her immortal, which a human person is not equipped to deal with to the point that Dainsleep causes immortality a curse. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. The part where she meets the descendant of someone that she met and her, she's just like open eyed crying. I'm it like, was so sad. She is so done. This is, this is the big problem I had with the 4.2 leg of the AQ. Their delivery on Furina is so inconsistent that it's like, if you wanted her to exit stage left because she's an imposter and not the focus of this, why did you make her so horrifyingly sympathetic? Why did yes. you give us the stage show? It's like her soliloquy is like the emotional climax of the entire AQ. I was literally like queasy mm -hmm. knowing how much she <laughs> suffered after that. All Traveler says when they watch it is, this is great. Maybe she'll squeal some intel. <laughs> and then, How like, fucking she... rude. And she yeah. doesn't get any closure at the end of the AQ. She's just run out of town in disgrace, which would be fine and it would fit her. But why did you make her the saddest person ever before that? Mm. Yeah, that was really disappointing. I think one of the things that just like tore a huge hole in my heart as far as the way the AQ ended. She needed a scene where she reconciled with Nivulet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like the whole AQ is them going in opposite directions. Uh, throughout his life, he's becoming more and more open to the hearts of the people. He understands humanity more. Over her life, she's becoming more and more distant and detached. They're the only people who have known each other for this long he's the only person besides the traveler that she could have possibly opened up her secrets to. And like, as we see in his uh, story quest, like she leaves him an encouraging letter and they're clearly fond of each other. And just like, it felt so whack that like, not only do they not have a point of reconciliation at the end or he's like, yo, I get you. Like they don't even have any interaction at that point. There's no, falling out there's no making amends it just like he's like eh, she you know she flew the coop whatever yeah i that I, that was nuts i feel <laughs> like to nuvolette honestly owed farina an apology in the end like 
you know, I didn't know what you were going through type of thing. Because, like, let's be honest, when Nouvellet is like, yeah, you're on trial, Farina, like, that feels like such a deception. Yeah. That was um, rough. Yeah. You know, that's Peepaw putting you on trial. Like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. I was mad at us. I was like, wait, what did we do? Did we trick her into this? Like, I was I was totally mad at at at, at the traveler for that scene was crazy. deceiving her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then and then like when the traveler is in her memories, like watching that story play out, he like sees the scene again where she might spill the beans to him and then she like holds herself back because she knows that if she doesn't like the world is going to end or her world is going to end basically and his reaction is just kind of like ugh, like disgust like yeah somebody help this 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 sad disneyland cast member who has been stuck in the mickey mouse costume for 500 (laughs) years Mm -hmm. what about the marketing they always sell stuff with the Archons as like a group. And mm. in the sitcom situation where the Archons are together in a group, Farina is a lot more appealing in that dynamic than Nivulet. I expected it to go like she would become his secretary or like his delegate. Mm-hmm. Like even down to the fact that her post AQ outfit is black, the color of his attire. Like I could see her working for him and being like his ambassador to the archons in the world i think because the archons hold her in such a high respect they are still gonna look at her as a hydro archon and i think regardless because fossilor looks exactly like farina like they could really say it's a fossilor that they're showing off and they're actually Mm. keeping an archon Mm. in the mix by doing that too yeah. So I don't think they'll switch it up. I, I honestly would hope that we would get Fosalor's gorgeous, gorgeous outfit on some sort of PR. But that's just me. I do think Fosalor that... deserves nothing. She doesn't <laughs> get to be friends with Archons. Uh, I, but, no, yeah, but also, no, like, how not. fun would it be if we get events where all the Archons are together and Farina is there and she has to just lie her ass off? Yeah, oh, and she's then, still and playing. And Nuvalet has to be, like, her secretary. And they oh just my have God. this dynamic no. where they're the, both the, the bullshitting yeah. yeah. But I think they're still going to push Furina because the thing is, for newcomers, that's still a plot twist. So it's, it actually drives home the lie even more if she shows up in more of the promo art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Also, she has yeah. the Mickey Mouse divine. She is the marketable character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, that's exactly what I was going to say. She's the brand. And in lore, she's also a, a celebrity as well. Like, even if like her base is a bit broken after the AQ is done. There's sort of an equal measure of people who are in support of her, as well as like, you know, visible people who want to start riots around her. So it's a case where she's still a public facing figure, you know, disgraced though she may be, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they did a pretty good job sort of establishing, like, at the very least, she can still be a public facing character. And to that end, like, on a mascot slash rapper, like a, you know, mascot political level, she could still potentially have like, some archon roles oh this is really i've never read the archons lines about farina and they're all like you know basically mad respect you're an honorary god and it's like okay that's how the that's how marketing can win yeah yeah yeah. but honorary knight honorary god (laughs) it's super cool how all the gods have lines about her she has no lines about the gods and nivillette is the one that has lines about all the gods and he's like I'm gonna fucking get them. And then he gets to Nahida. He's like, yeah, she's all right. She went through a lot. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's that yeah, one yeah. scene from that uh, that movie like fuck you fuck you fuck you you're cool <laughs> fuck <laughs> you i'm out i don't understand why because first of all fosalor creates farina by separating her own divinity divinity out of that human body right so you have like yeah. the regular yeah, human yeah. version of her which is like a whole other person with a whole different consciousness because i'm assuming other archons can do this and why I, would they even stick around on a human body i think, I think that was I like mean, an oceanid thing i'm mm-hmm. not sure if it was because i think it's one of those ambiguous powers where it's like Yai mentioned that she's the one who taught A how to be able to separate her consciousness and put it inside an object. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe yeah, but the ability to separate and rejoin as entities has always been something innate to Oceanids, right? Uh, from from I like Rodia splitting into the animals that beat us up to you know what's her face from the summer event splitting into like a bunch of you know Disneyland cast members. Like that that is definitely something that Oceanids have not had any trouble pulling off whereas a being you know a shoe yoke i might need extra teaching i wouldn't completely though rule out the idea that the other archons could do it because the thing with Fosalores is that she was also young so she like the prior archon died she took over and she literally was like given this file of like crimes against humanity from celestia and they're like fucking figure it out she was like given this bad plate and she mm-hmm. had to figure something out to do quickly in order to get Celestia off her ass. Where the other Archons were have been gods for so long. Like, if you go back and read their voice lines about Fosalor, they're like, we admire Farina. Like, they are like, Farina is stronger than all of us, basically. So I think those gods know better than to do that. And they care a little bit more about humanity. Where Fosalors felt like she was saving her humanity by torturing Farina. I wanted to bring up how Farina's suffering kind of parallels the entirety of the Prometheus myth. Oh! oh. Um, and I got this because I I was like, there's too much Roman and Greek influence, like, story-wise. Because there's also, like, mm-hmm. you know, the King Arthur parallel in some of the world quests that we can that we can call to, but that's that's for a different time. But this idea of, like, the original sin, which was kind of, at least to Egeria, seemed pretty justified. Like, her people, the Oceanids, wanted to be able, you know, they they wanted to little mermaid themselves. They wanted to go up on the surface. (laughs) And so the full, like, Prometheus myth is Prometheus to, like, settle, you know, what mortals are going to offer the gods for, you know like favors and stuff like what are they going to sacrifice he kind of played a trick which was do you want a an ox stomach and with the inside being like this delicious steak or do you want bones wrapped in in very very hot fat and of course zeus picked what looked most appetizing the fat and he was so mad that the mortals were getting the better part rather than <laughs> the not so good part that he took away fire. He like disabled it. Because um, they they knew how to make it at that point. They just could not produce it anymore. So Prometheus mm. steals the fire, does that, and then is punished by Zeus by like forcing him. 
I think he's trapped on a rock and then an eagle every morning until the sun sets is constantly eating out his intestines and organs. And that is kind of like with Farina, she can never catch a break. And the only time she doesn't have to act and pretend and suffer is when she's asleep because Celestia, you know, a sleeping archon is not going to necessarily draw the eyes. And so her, her waking hours are her suffering. Um, And Prometheus understands that like what he did was, I mean, it wasn't fucked up. It was, it was a trick played on Zeus that he specifically did. So the humans are For the sake of the humans. For the sake of the humans. And the humans are being punished for something he did. And Egeria in that way created new life which should have been you know god should be able to create new life because what do gods do they create but apparently that's only allowed in celestia which is interesting it depends on the god yeah (laughs) very true very true and with ageria she created the original sin created the oceanids and, and made them human and as punishment they are doomed to this fate of returning back to the primordial sea the mm-hmm. Fontaine people of today don't even know that they were Oceanids. Like, <laughs> I love that guy in the scene of the reveal. He's like, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. I'm like, yeah, me too, bud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? Really? I was like, it's too yeah. much. It's too much. Ajiria cheated on her homework, and she should have gotten a couple, like, real human followers so that Celestia wouldn't be like, Ajiria, where's your people? And she's like, here's my people. And Celestia's <laughs> like, Human people, Ajiria. Like, Humans. What's a human? When, no, she's like, when when faced with the impossible choice of having no followers or having to be followed by the French, I decided to create a doomed people. <laughs> yeah. Biggest revelation. French aren't real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> French aren't real. Okay. This is a piece of lore that I hate so much. I pretended didn't happen. That's oh, when no. you find out that Fontenoy people, mm-hmm. they are not born and reproduced like people. <laughs> yes. You have to uh, wish yeah. for them on a fucking fountain to but have it was a baby. Like, yeah, but it was almost like, did they think that they still had a baby though? Like they wished upon it, but did they still like, was it like a, a fever dream? They wish for the health of the child. Yeah. They, yeah. So thought... like that implies that they're already pregnant. Until that scene was like, okay, they're 90% people and they reproduce like normal people. It's just that if they touch that grimace shake, they turn back into Oceanids. And that's what I thought. Yeah, the deed of making them humans mm. was way back in the past and they've just perpetuated like normal humans since then. People yeah. from Fontaine can still have children with people from outside Fontaine. Yeah, I think. Well, that, my my interpretation. Improves. Yeah, my my interpretation of that was that the Fonch, when they go to have kids at the fountain, they, you know, pray for a child, and then, like, that causes a reincarnation of the spirit of an Oceanid who is put into the primordial sea to inhabit their child's body and basically re- make them reborn. Any child not having that done to them is just, like, a newer entity or falling inside the normal cycle of reincarnation away from the Oceanids. Oh, so, so they would like, a never... normal human child. Presumably, I don't know if that means that, like, they, the, you know, the spicy water doesn't work on them or, <laughs> I don't know. or, or how that 
operates. Yeah. I think that's kind of the test we'd need to figure mm-hmm. it out. Because it's like, okay, are you telling me, Lore, that, you know, ever since the, you know, the primordial age when Egeria made the first people, that every single couple has wished on that fountain? Every single couple in Fontaine forever. Like, all you need is one person who hasn't done it. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get Arlequino. I feel like they would have been a lot better served if they had just not mentioned reproduction at all. Exactly. (laughs) But then, you know, the other question it also posed was, what happens to someone who's been absolved by primordial seawater? Because the idea is, like, they become an ocean and they kind of become part of, like, the big mass of water there none of them came back to life though yeah it just adds this layer to the ecosystem that's just yes. dumb and it's like i would literally just pretend i didn't hear that and they're like they're for all intents and purposes just humans now yeah i agree and the others are just dead dead you don't come back to life sorry mm-hmm. yeah like you're you're Maybe you're non-sentient water. I don't fucking know. Some of you died literally five minutes too soon. <laughs> and also, if you have to wish for your baby, then why are there so many, like, abandoned, trafficked, and yeah. orphaned children in Fontaine? Oh, well, actually, that there is an yeah. explanation for that, and that would be presumably because their parents have been in prison. Just, they just didn't want to leave prison. That's a good point. They love the prison. Can you blame them when like, Risley's there? Like that exactly. ass? Come on. I mean, like, I mean, like, let them eat cake. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fiends! I forgot to talk about how <laughs> all the shots we called on our big podcast collab with the uh, Dalton and stuff ended up being completely fucking wrong. <laughs> we're like, oh, they're gonna be like the celestial toadies, and it's like, oh no, they actually did the most against celestial that anyone's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> we also don't yeah. even really know. <laughs> Where the gods come from seems uh, like they're elemental energy, but somehow co-opted by Celestia from what I'm assuming was, you know, the elemental realm that was already there, but which is where the dragons come from. It seems like people kind of, maybe not people spawn them, but they, every god we've met feels like it was a pre-existing thing that got kind of promoted yes. by Celestia. Like, I feel yeah. like adepti for instance were like uh some indigenous spiritual entity in the ua and like rex no, lapis I... happened to be the one that gets bumped up to middle manager because <laughs> venti's just like a sprite promotion chess boom oh fuck oh, oh. Fuck. oh. oh shit oh shit ningguang should have been promoted already then damn <laughs> yeah right i super thought that like liyue too would be ningguang being forced to take on the throne of geo like, I would have thought Celestia is like, you are not allowed to be an Archonless society. We don't want another Conria. Uh, you, you're coming up in the world. Chop, chop, here's Gnosis. You the boss now. Get immortal. Fuck you. But do you think that Celestia knows that Rex Lapis is still alive? I kind of don't. I think hmm. by the time we finish this AQ, Celestia is, like, empty. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there, too. Yeah. I feel like we have to knock on the door and check on them at this rate yeah. because they <laughs> absolutely yeah. come down to check on Venti, Zhongli, A. They haven't checked on the Hida. Yeah, and it's just an AI pumping out the visions. Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. Dead yeah. ass. Like even like maybe they weren't even ever in charge of the visions. They just claimed that they were. What mm. if they're all already dead? I kind of think so. 
near automata spoilers but that's yeah that's exactly what i was thinking just now <laughs> and we know Boyle, they played it they fucking copied the weapon Boyle animation loves near automata mm-hmm. i think they're not yeah, up there yeah. anymore they're all just embedded be... within paimon oh, yeah there's... god or paimon's just like their security slash surveillance system that's like left over mm-hmm. the next couple of patches will be kind of the make or break for it because you know this was the biggest infraction against celestia we've seen during the active story of the whole plot. So it's like, if Mm -hmm. they stay really quiet, really big reason to believe that, yeah, they're just not up there. But if something else happens, then, you know, who knows? Do we think we're going to see Arlecchino again in version 4.x? Well, I'm pretty sure she's going to be rollable in 4.x. Like, I Mm -hmm. I don't see how they could justify, like, postponing that into not lan or beyond right when she's been a character mm-hmm. is like i feel like well don't if she was going to be rollable soon then we would have seen her fight in the aq and like seeing her in a cut scene like uh, killing monsters or something so you get an idea of what her kit is i feel like like why does she, she have was, hilly hands we, we I, thought the caterpillar quest was going to answer that it actually told us less than nothing maybe she was experimented on by Dottore. Uh, it I always go with him. the Oh, so <laughs> oh my uh, god. But we do know one thing about her, though. What? Different bitch than the one who ruined Momoyo's life. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. That's kind of what I think they they may end up going back to is this idea of, like, being father, if you will, is kind of something that's not elected, but it 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 is handed down at a certain point. So what if the, her quest ends up being more a part of the house of hearth we're like perhaps i don't know there's kid trafficking and daughter is back trying to kill no, kid, no, take kids no, to experiment. that's too yeah. that's too interesting they wouldn't show it on camera <laughs> yeah that's right yeah i believe the previous arlecchino did not go by father i think she was only known as the director she and arlecchino also... was the father i oh. I'm hoping that we'll get some more info about the previous Nave when they release a Fremenne hangout. Fremenne talks a lot about how when he, you know, his dad left him and his mom, and then his mom felt like she couldn't properly take care of him, left him at the house of hearth until she could quote unquote get on her feet, which never happened because now he's a whole ass Fatui diver man. And the old Nave basically was like, your mother didn't like you. You're a failure. This is your fault that you're here. And so when our Latino take took over, you know, she was like, no, that's all a lie. Your mom left you here because she loves you, which thinking of a Fatui Harbinger saying anything like that. It's interesting because Fremine has a voice line about father, uh, our Latino as father, uh, where he says, basically, I, I love diving because it allows me to be alone with my emotions, because if I ever show them in front of mm-hmm. father, he tells me don't do that that's weakness she is not like smiles and roses play catch with you in the part like she is still combining the the most horrifying traits of a russian and french father (laughs) yeah (laughs) like strict as all balls it's just that maybe not as much of an extreme as the previous arlequinos is there is there like different branch orphanages of the house of the hearth because i was wondering alfonso made it seem like it was just very snezhnayan mm-hmm. um I, I would imagine there and it must be right like I mean, because she's supposed sense. to be like over like, all of them right program. or is she just over like yeah. the fontaine one i think all of them 
Also, like, I don't know if we got clarification. Is the hotel the, is it literally the Fontenoy branch of the House of the Hearth? I think I saw somewhere back when the lore was like really up in the air and people hadn't figured it out. I saw it on a website, but I could not fact check it. And so I was wondering if that ever like was confirmed or not. I kind of think it's not. Yeah, I don't think so. No. Boy, we didn't do anything in that hotel. I also, it just seems weird because <laughs> wasn't weren't Lenny and Lynette like like a much younger when Arlecchino saved them from human trafficking or whatever. And yeah. I mean, was Alfonso's like could he have been? Could it have been that much longer when he, you know, like he's that he's been on assignment in Sumeru, like okay, kidnapping so children. Here's my thing. Like this is this is tinfoil hats, uh, writers room <laughs> shit. We love doing that. So <laughs> I think Momoyo's quest was a mistake. Um. I think this the previous Arlecchino was invented to like retcon Momoyo's quest. Yeah. yeah I, I think, think that's likely. Yeah. They have way less oversight for world quests, but anytime you invoke a major character or a playable character, you have to be careful with that. And I think the writer of that quest, again, no proof whatsoever, but I think they wrote this not even thinking if they should check to see if that was in line for the company's vision for Arlecchino as a character. I mean, or it could alternatively be that, like, they didn't have a vision for her yet. Like, yeah, if even up until Fontaine, the voice lines for both Child and uh, the Moosh Man both say, like, she's, you know, a self-serving, backstabbing psycho. And mm-hmm. then when you get to her, she's, like, straight-up normal sauce. Like, yeah, yeah, she, she's like, she's, she's just a little mean and otherwise completely heroic, except for that one yeah. time she tried to jump, uh, to jump Fiorina. <laughs> well, she's still self-serving. She is very self-serving, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she also yeah, cares about her kids. And I, she only cares about curing the Fontaine curse. I feel like I remember reading somewhere that the there are still people who like believe in like the old knaves. Yes. Like, oh yeah, path. That was part of the retcon because Momoyo spawns in Inazuma in yes. 4.0. So if anyone happens to go back two regions ago, she says, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, the Arlecchino that Alfonso was loyal to, that was the previous one. And she was deposed by the current Arlecchino, but she had these adherents that were so strongly attuned to her vision that they do stuff in her name even to this day. And I was like, Oh, you guys just fucked up writing this, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Or changed your mind. No, it's true, though. Also, like, when they did the Winter's Nights Lizzo drop oh, and they so revealed... Good. Yeah. That was that was <laughs> when they patched in the pronoun change, or the uh, gender change, where they changed Arlequino's title in the Momoyo quest from Lord to Lady. Mm. First of all, she's a butch queen. We know she would have liked Lord. Yeah, <laughs> she was my father. Yeah. yeah. Second of all, like, if that was always intended to be a previous Arlecchino, like, yeah, feasibly they could have gone back and corrected that at the same time her clearly, like, female design dropped. But I also kind of think that's an indicator that that Arlecchino in that quest was meant to be our current father. I do mm-hmm. love her design. She's, like, serving, like, you know, New York power lesbian. She's a conductor. Yeah. No, the conductor, like, yeah, I know, just the coattails. It's it's killer. The ponytail. I hate the ponytail. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But I get why they have it. 
because obviously they're gunning for her to be playable and they like yeah. to have a lot of flowy stuff in the back of the playable characters so they're fun to look at i i do wish that they had kind of kept her as evil as her previous like we don't have enough playable characters who are just like outrightly evil yeah like, i agree we, we need none. villains the fatui aren't even evil though they're i mean just, well uh, no we're definitely gonna they do up a lot of really point. bad shit but like yeah there's well, they're their goal isn't to like take over the world it's like but we we've heard about the things that the previous arlequino like was doing like we if you played the sumeru world quest where you have to off the fatui guy after he's like <laughs> trying to kidnap yeah. children and like steal their dreams like we know that the the previous arlequino was like cartoonishly evil and like mm -hmm. i i think that that would have been really fun to have in a playable character because the the most like kind of not maybe not outrightly evil but at least corrupt or or aggressive characters are like child and scaramouche who are other fatui harbinger playables and like they're they're good but i think they did a lot of work to try to redeem their image rather than just accept yeah these guys are pieces of shit like it'd be fun to have that dynamic going in mm -hmm. they have multitudes One thing i realized there is a harbinger that's mentioned i think it's in the sir arthur world quest that does it is implied to be pretty bad, but and then we also have Dottore, who's scary. Oh, but yeah. Even yeah. Dottore has like all of these other versions of himself, right? So they could easily like turn one of them good or something if they I wanted to make him playable. Yeah, that's yeah. what we were thinking right. at the end of Sumeru. Is like, first of all, he kills all of his current section, so that was a little bit of a wrench we in our think theory. He does. We think yeah. he did. That's right. right. But yeah, like, yeah, there's an easy one. There's an easy out yeah. for that if they ever want to make him playable, which unfortunately they will likely take because yeah, oops, I forgot one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's like a a thing with the player base where they don't like you know morally bad or ambiguous characters or like we know why they, they shy don't away from because that. look at how they talk about Raiden A. That's true. <laughs> one of the <laughs> most true. interesting morally gray characters in the playable roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say that, and I say this all the time, but I think Tatore is the scariest character in the game. Oh, he for sure. He's able to yeah. shapeshift, basically. Mm -hmm. And he he's a doctor. Oh, yeah. No, remember, he shapeshifted into a Frenchman. Yeah, into yeah. a Frenchman. That's right. Don't forget, okay. he ate mm -hmm. an arm, too. He's a cannibal. He's mm -hmm. a cannibal. I am constantly <laughs> worried that, like, he's just going to show up, like, at Kali's front door looking like Tignari. Oh, oh god that come is a, with that me is a great nightmare oh. <laughs> no, oh. he shows up at their front door but he's dressed in a, in a big old fat fox suit very fine yeah. of freddy style oh. like <laughs> okay guys lore time one of his fox suit <laughs> is foreshadowing for killing tignari and wearing his disguise oh no! <laughs> I I have to go now. I can't. Yeah, no one liked that. Nobody Hello, Kale. It's time for your lessons. She's like, Ugh. we find out that Tainari died by the lightning strike, Shut and he's been up. he took his place because we never saw it. Oh my god! Let's go. It's like all all signs are pointing to Dotore being an Oceanid, but he had nothing to do with this plot line. Like, but if we're looking at the bullet <laughs> points, it's like, yeah, you're doing everything that they can do. Yeah, yeah, That's no, I, true. From the way Renee was described in that world quest, I was like, could Dotore really be Renee? And then it's like, nope. Yeah. World Man, quests nope, are completely, guy. yeah, no, world quests will always be completely divorced from the main story. Yeah. Um, 
we were even I, talking recently we about will, we like, will even make up our Lakinos to keep them separate from the main story <laughs> One thing I did like about Maropede was the insinuation that child is cool. Oh. <laughs> child is allowed to fight in the fight ring, but we aren't. Yeah. He, like, right? That's right. such it's so bullshit. He totally sweet talked them into letting him fight. He was like, come yes. on. It'll be fun. It'll, it'll be fine. I'm not that strong. I'm expecting. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, a handicap. <laughs> I'm I fighting was... for I'm fighting for two. Eric <laughs> seems Jailumi for uh... life. She's the dad of his baby. Yes. Uh, the mother. Um, the mother of his babies. He's the daddy seahorse. <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta shoot that out. Boom. And you gotta shoot that out. Boom. They're very violent when they give birth, actually. It's quite scary. Uh, He's a violent man. He's up to it. He's like, what? The strongest person is is a pregnant person? Let's go. Let's go. I mean, knock me up, Lumine. And then Lumine, like, shoots the eye lasers at him and he's pregnant. That's how it works. (laughs) Exactly. So, Skirk, I don't know about y'all. But when we got like the teaser of her, of her, I instantly thought of like black butterflies from Bleach, and I don't know why. Oh well, and she so... does kind of have that motive. Her uh, her hair clip is very much like that. Yeah. So I, I wonder why she loves to hang out in the sea in the primordial sea so much, and is that just because it's easily accessible from the abyss? I would think so. It, it seems like she's. Like, she's like, oh, I haven't been above ground in a long time. So I imagine mm-hmm. she's just, like, someone who just kind of lives there. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird case because the thing is that she was a character who uh, we've heard about for a decent bit of time, at least as far as, like, child's voice lines go. We meet right. her. She puts Big Gulp in a Pokeball and then yeets Big Gulp and <laughs> Child into a black hole. So good. <laughs> it's so, yeah, we still know, like, basically nothing about her other than she has a master called Sertology, who is similar yeah, see, to I, Gold in status. We've sort of been waiting to see Skirk a little bit, or there was, like, always the notion that we were going to see her at a point. And then she shows up. She doesn't say anything that's, like, particularly interesting other than having some, like, comments about Big Gulp being kept as a pet. But then she just immediately starts name dropping a bunch of other characters, and it's like, no, you shouldn't be talking about them. There shouldn't be anybody above you. You're the superpowered, you know, space person. Like she's she's really kind of nothing at this point. But the thing is that that also actually makes me want her to be playable like immediately because that means that we're gonna have to expite this. Like we're gonna have like another carrot that's being dangled in front of us, like way down the line. Mm-hmm. Let's just get to like getting her playable now, so we can actually like get to know her better as a character. Because mm-hmm. right now I'm just like, uh, this this was sort of a huge disappointment for who this character is supposed to be i was hoping that igeria was still alive the skirk would be her and that you know when she made her puddle in sumeru that maybe a part of her consciousness had leaked into the abyss and that gold Mm. had found her and helped her get a body or whatever it might be but skirk also i wanted to know if she was the reason that child went into the abyss like or was it the narwhal because... I'm sorry, I just I just picture her like Pennywise in the storm during she's yes! like, hey, hey kid, you wanna see a whale? <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Everything <laughs> gulps down here. But that's really my question because he was called to Fontaine, as he said, 
And mm-hmm. we still don't have an answer of what called him specifically, Skirk or the Narwhal. We don't really know still what was going on with his vision. We know that he was severely oh, damaged and sent home to Shnaznaya to heal, in which case we gave Arlecchino the vision to return to him, which she better fucking return it to him, where I'm going to have a fit with this woman. Mm-hmm. And also, we know that now Child is messenger boy for Skirk. So part of me, yeah, it's part like, of me is afraid that we're not going to see him again until Shneznaya. Yes, like, that's my fear. God, it better not, please. Yeah. It's not fair because they bring. I say it's not fair, and I'm like the only one on Tales of Taba who likes Child. Hey, but... I like Child. I like Child. <laughs> my <laughs> problem is that you are convinced that he's redeemable, but A isn't. I just don't like A. I just that's don't like a, her. It's still the same thing. A doesn't need to be redeemed because there's nothing that she needs to be redeemed from. A bold statement. The Shogun <laughs> is the one that needs to be redeemed in the end. No, the Shogun only does what A condones her to do. Well then they she's... have both done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna okay, come back on. to I'm gonna come back to that hold um in now. our next collab. The first line of our show is so Raiden did nothing wrong. That is literally <laughs> line one episode. It is true. It is how we open this show. In this house we love A and Child. Yeah. Yeah, I really do wanna like I'm sad because they kind of like baited us with child. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He was damseled super hard. Yeah, he was used horribly like, in the quest. Mm-hmm. He didn't speak after he was imprisoned. He had yes. no talking line, not well, one. He's on maternity leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it makes me so mad to think that child was just to trick us into going to Meropede, the worst place ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like child. Hey. No, because that's what I love about him is like. He is so contradictory, but, like, not irreconcilable. Like, he's not an angsty man. He fucking loves everything. Yes. He loves his family. He loves fighting. He's a violent, loyal, fun dude. Yeah, the only thing he doesn't love is boredom. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I I think Skirk's just whole thing is that we all expected her to be, like, the reveal, and then it turns out she's just the one doing the revealing but not in a yeah. fun way which is also... some more shit that was also shocking though in its own way like you were like uh... what like i know it's like a negative because we all thought we were going to get this level of lore that we did not get but it's also like holy shit like who is that person are they also from hanria are they someone who experimented with gold? Are they possibly a member of the Hexen Circle? Are they possibly an ex-member of the Hexen Circle? Is it related back to the primordial one? Is that person going to be the one who finally ties us officially into Honkai? Is it Alice? Is it Alice? Like, there are so many questions. So this is why I hate Skirk. The further you get into, like, the cosmology away from Tivat, the more you are forced to, like, address Tivat as something that doesn't exist on the grand stage and unfortunately that's kind of where the strength of their story is is very deeply entrenched in Tivat I personally um, I'm not really into the larger story like the stuff that Dainsleaf alludes to I think that's kind of the weakest written and so when it's like in the middle of the Archon quest we're going to hijack it and pivot it into this larger scope stuff 
that is going to cheapen kind of the rest of the setting that you just went through in the AQ, but also not do it substantially enough beyond just like a weird tease. And like, we already got our weird tease of people who exist above the happenings of the world in the Hexen Circle and like our second contact with N. And like that, like maybe delving into that a little more kind of would have been better. But then for it to be like, go right into Skirk. And then for Skirk to introduce like three more people who you've never heard of, who all exist outside of our reality. I'm just like, I think the the dawning realization of, oh God, like, are we not going to have normal Archon quests anymore? Are we already mm. like blowing right. open the, the setting? And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I yeah. see. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. But yeah. I live in that, like constantly yeah. thinking about the bigger, I'm... the like, what, does it all mean and where did we come from? I think yeah, I'm definitely I'm, I'm in the minority. In <laughs> but like I, I think and this is kinda gonna this is gonna dovetail a little bit with a couple different things, but also a lot of cynicism. So I mean one thing I don't like about Skirk is that she's kind of moving towards like a more a cultural look. And by a cultural mm -hmm. I mean kind of a little bit more like pure anime rather than being yeah. like, hey, this is a cultural spin on something. And I really don't like that for her. But also I'm like, okay, so we know Notlon's coming up, and it seems like, you know, they're beginning to discard regional conflicts in favor of looking at, like, holding the macro plot a little bit more heavily. I'm like, do I really think that they're going to do the cultures that constitute Notlon justice, or do I think that they're going to use them as a platform to break the setting and tell the story oh. that they wanted to do. I'm like, uh, they're probably going to tell their own story. They're probably not going to, you know, do something that's really culturally whatever goes into Notlon. I don't know. Yeah. Which is such a tease, because Notlon is one of the reasons we were excited about Genshin. Is it like, yeah, oh, I... they're, they're doing Mayan Mesoamerican stuff. And like, as recently as Nivulet's, uh Twitter preview text was attributed mm -hmm. to uh, Shibalanke. Who is mm -hmm. one of the hero twins? Yeah, I mean they reference Tanakh. Tanakh, yeah, Tenochtitlan. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I actually do hope that I'm proven wrong, though. I hope they do something that's like really Mesoamerican in a powerful way that's represented. But I think I, I I'm gonna like it more than the Fontaine AQ because I've learned to put my expectations in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, the in toilet. the toilet with the Orbeez. But th there was just like a really bad moment where I was looking at Skirk and I was just staring down the barrel of what I thought Genshin was going to be for the next three years. And I was like, do I get off now? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people were staring at Skirk and wondering if they get off now. Uh, <laughs> just like, like full disclosure, all power to people who like Honkai and Star Rail. But like, th that's like what I call like the butt anime aesthetic. It's just like anime and mm -hmm. I hate it. It's fan service. What are you saying about butts? Just, well, but not even like literal butts. There's just like, like I always come back to God Eater, which is just like generic, stupid anime, <laughs> like little sci-fi, little streetwear. I hate the type of characters they write for those because it's just like, I'm a big anime and Genshin's done so much to be better than just normal anime. And I need to justify playing a children's gambling game in my 30s. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> There is no justification, let's be real. It's true. <laughs> there never was. I was just kidding myself. <laughs>
think to wrap this up really quick, just everyone bullet points. What did, what was your favorite thing about Fontaine? Go. Nouvellet. <laughs> Nouvellet, yeah. dragon dick. All the crimes. <laughs> I always go back to the animals all the time. And I'm going to include the Melusines in there because Sea Dream's yes. probably my favorite. But I Hell love yeah. all the interactions with the animals that they're like now talk to one another and there's that seagull that like is like basically a meme and like kind of like kicks a, a dead hurly charl it's hysterical you think that's funny yeah, i mean he's sleeping <laughs> he's just he's just he's just asleep we do we do do that a lot also dead hilly charls are great because that's what we aspire to be <laughs> until the next reset it is canon dansley said we all want to die permanently mm-hmm. uh i would say for me it was risley and navia were my favorite parts of fontaine I think they both brought a fun level to it. They're both very good. I think that Furina ended up being my favorite character in the end, which in hindsight seems probably inevitable. But they always do good with the Archons. Yeah, they they always do good with the Archons. And I think that I think that I appreciated the aesthetic of the setting and world itself. Because there are only a few places that specifically do fantasy France. Like the only other one I can think of is like Dragon Age. Uh, uh, the Witcher. One of my favorites. I actually, I haven't played The Witcher. Oh my god, Toussaint um, is so good! <laughs> yeah, I love a fantasy France. Think my favorite things about Fontaine were, uh, we didn't really talk a lot about the gameplay, but I do think the gameplay was a net improvement, especially because they challenged themselves with the underwater combat and generally mm-hmm. did an okay job with it. Yeah, that's um, right. World quests, mm-hmm. great. Uh, oh yeah, yeah the world like, quests. Yeah, at a game level, the game just keeps getting better and better. Like, they are learning lessons, uh, yeah. and they are applying yeah. those. I love the Narcissus um, Saga. Yes. Oh, that shit's good. Yeah, yeah. The the, the, uh, the entire Narcissus Saga has been the best world quest they've ever done, and I'm really happy to, like, see them get to the point where they can, like, make a really long world quest and also figure out how to make it really engaging. Um, and then character-wise, uh, Navia and Furina are really up there. Nouvellet at a close third hoping to roll all of them. My favorite was just the emotions of it. They're getting really good at emotional writing. They just need to figure out how to get there better. Mm-hmm. Emotions yeah. in the oceans. Emotions in the ocean. <laughs> they may not have had the connective tissue, but they had emotions down pat. I have played a bit of Farina's SQ, so it's like, I know you can still write, even though you pretended you forgot how to write during the Fontaine <laughs> HQ. All right, so... This has been fucking awesome. A collaboration between Tales of Tibet, a Genshin lore podcast, and The Shade Chamber, a Genshin not lore <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I've been Beefy, one of the trollmen of the board of The Shade Chamber. You can find our podcast on various podcast platforms spotify apple the whole shebang we also do a video version on youtube also found at the shade chamber uh you can get in touch with us at our twitter which is shade chamber pod or contact us at our email address shade chamber podcast at gmail.com what is our pod doing after this well we usually nominally talk more about like kind of the game design and creative decisions that go into Genshin. And so whatever aspects of that we have not gone into here, we will be diving deeper into in our own regular podcast, looking at the aesthetics, the gameplay design, and some other crap about Fontaine that's not AQ related. Because there's a lot of good stuff to be said. And so bad. Uh, Anyway, that's (laughs) us.
And um, I'm Fisa. I'm from Tales of Tabat. You can find us on our website, talesoftabat.com, where you can find comprehensive lore pages for all of our episodes, including this one. There you can also find any links to creators and cutscenes mentioned during the episodes, visual representations of some of the lore mentioned as well. Additionally, you can email us at talesdevotpod at gmail.com to share any theories, lures, or questions you have. We can also be contacted on Twitter, Tales of Tabot, or Instagram, Tales of Tabot Pod. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, YouTube, and I'm sure there's other places I'm forgetting. For us, uh, we release a new episode every Wednesday, for the most part, unless we're on a break. And in each episode, we cover a different topic. We've covered Dragonspine child the sumeru desert just to name a few so we try to do a comprehensive lore episode about each of those topics to try to get as much as we can out there and speculate and maybe throw some crack theories out there and talk about butts Hell Yay, yeah. butts! all right you guys but, you've been such good sports no, thank uh, you guys yes, have, a good night and have a happy thanksgiving yes happy thanksgiving yeah. 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 Thanks for staying up till one. Sorry. Bye. 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 Bye.